Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over UFC Busan. I think that's the name, how you pronounce it, but it's also UFC Korea, headlined by Frankie Edgar and Chan Sung Jung. This is a fight that we were actually supposed to get way back last year uh, at the 20th, 25th or 20th, 25th anniversary card, uh, which ended up being the Korean Zombie against Yair Rodriguez, which presented a crazy, crazy finish. Last second Hail Mary by uh, Yair Rodriguez to to save his ass in that fight and he gets the victory there. But here we are. Frankie Edgar takes a fight on short notice. He was especially supposed to or he was initially supposed to fight Corey Sandhagen next uh, next month. Uh in a bantamweight fight, which would have been his bantamweight debut. Now here he is uh, stepping in on short notice, taking on a fighter that he's already pretty much had a training camp for back in the day. So hopefully he's able to, uh, you know, rediscover those uh, those things with Mark Henry, uh, get back in there and uh, try to get this victory as an underdog to the Korean zombie. Um, back at my place, what I think I'm going to be doing moving forward is actually be doing the fight night lockcast shows from the from the studio here at my place uh and then for the actual big pay-per-view cards i'll be going over to big rob's place uh you know with so many events uh big rob's place is actually not that close to mine considering i'd be going there every day after or every monday after work um it's a little bit of a pain uh but i think that uh I love the the setup there. I love how easy it is to do everything. Uh, and it just looks fucking cool too. Uh, but I'll save those for actual um, pay-per-view events, especially because I'll be Skyping guys in too. So it's great to have that type of setup. I'm going to be making some upgrades here as well. Come the new year, you guys will see some cool stuff that I got up my sleeve. So I can't wait to get that going. Uh, and then lastly, um, I just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up regarding the lock of the night challenge so that's going pretty well we got the last event for the challenge coming up this weekend uh and we got a lot of movers and shakers and that's the good thing about the lock of the night challenge even if you're you know down in the dumps if you go out there and hit a crazy hail mary parlay you can find yourself in the money so i'm just throwing it out there for people that may be interested uh lock of the night challenge i'm doing an early bird sign up for the 2020 season uh if you sign up before december 21st i'm going to put a deadline of 6 p.m. Eastern Time, December 21st to Saturday. Um, sign up by then, uh, and you guys could win either a Lock of the Night mug or a Lock of the Night shirt. I'm going to be giving away three prizes to three different people. Uh, I already have about four or five people signed up currently for the early bird. Uh, so you still have an opportunity. You still have a good chance of winning it as well. Uh, all you got to do is sign up by December 21st. Uh, and that's it. Simple rules to the game. Every event, every UFC event, you get to make one five-unit bet. That could be a parlay. It could be a straight play. It could be anything you want it to be as long as it's, you know, if it's a parlay, it's not more than one leg in the same fight. Um, but yeah, you can make any play you want. Go to best fight odds, fucking click parlay and parlay whatever the hell you want on one fight. And you're more than welcome to sub submit that as a bet. Make one bet, five units every event. Uh, and whoever comes out with the most profit uh, or the top three at least will be getting paid out uh, based on what the prize pool is and how much money we're able to get together through, uh, you know, channeling everybody together. So it's it's been great uh, for this first run through that I've had uh, 23 people for the $25 game. And then I had eight people for the $100 game with the amount of interest that I had, um, you know, even after I started this first season. I, I'm expecting those numbers to grow for this next season. So we'll have a bigger pod as well. Uh, 
I'm excited. I love running these things. It's a little bit tedious in terms of, you know, uh, entering the bets into the website and, and uh, you know, doing up the results all manually. I'm still in the preliminary stages of it, but I'm going to be developing a way where it's more so just an input and it just spits out the information to you guys so you don't have to worry about me, you know, updating the standings or updating the... Um, the bets for people and stuff so uh it's still a very easy uh way for you guys to submit the bets you just go on the website there's a lock of the night challenge page you just submit your bet that way and bang there you go but you got to sign up first <laughs> so shoot me a dm on uh my twitter at mmalotn or even just comment below and i'll figure out a way to connect you and and we'll get you set up and ready to go so once again lock of the night challenge 2020 it's going to be taking place from january 1st all the way to June 30th. So obviously the first event for the challenge is going to be UFC 246, headlined by Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone. Uh, but I just want to get people signed up ASAP so I can just set everything up uh, and make sure I have all my ducks in a row rather than getting everybody fucking, you know, procrastinating and then signing up last minute. So if we can just get everybody, you know, a little bit earlier, that's why I'm doing the early bird prize uh, or the early bird draw. Uh, that's kind of my thought process behind that, uh, just to break it up. So I don't have as much to deal with in the last day or two where everybody's scrambling to sign up. Uh, so yeah, again, DM me on Twitter at MMALOTN or just slide into the comments below and I'll be happy to set you up for that challenge. All right, let's get back to business. Uh, obviously no casuals. Don't have my man Big Rob here, but we'll be there. Uh, I believe the next lockcast is actually going to be the, the pay-per-view card. So uh, next time you guys see me, I'll be back. At least you guys see me for the lockcast. I'll be back in the studio. Um Let's talk about the last event. Let's do a quick betting recap. Finally, fuck, uh, things are finally going my way. Well, well, I can't really say that. It's just been one event, but it was a very successful event. Uh, let's start off with my lock of the night play. Didn't overthink this one too much. People can talk all the shit that they want about this being a chalky parlay. It fucking hit, and I'm happy, and I don't give a fuck what y'all say. Amanda Nunes and Peter Yan went out there and did exactly what I wanted them to do. Amanda Nunes, you know, made it a little bit scarier in that second round by by standing as much as she did with GDR. But if she once she was able to finally get this fight to the ground, it was her world. So great job for her to to adjust and and get the victory the way that she was supposed to. I thought she was going to get the submission, but she still grinded it out, made it a safe fight, got the decision victory there. Peter Yan. You know, another guy, I, I said initially that I took him by by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and put Uriah Faber out. And that's exactly what he did. That's what you want to expect for a minus 400, minus 500 guy. Um, but yeah, Peter Yan's a problem in that division. And I'm very excited to see uh, what they do with him next. Wouldn't even be opposed to him, a fight with him and Jose Aldo, just to be honest. Uh, and then my dog of the night play, another one that I'm very proud of. 1.25 units on Alexander Volkanovsky at plus 151. Thought there was a ton of value here. A lot of people were uh, high on the Max Holloway train, saying the guy's too tall for him, going to jab his face off. You know, Volkanovsky comes from a great camp with Eugene Behrman and those city kickboxing guys down in Australia. You know, they're a problem. They come up with great game plans. They nullified Max Holloway's jab by taking out his lead foot. Um, you know, it's tougher for Max Holloway to really throw much from the southpaw position, which is why he was kind of nullified there. And then um, looks like I got a little bit of a notification there that I got to get rid of. Anyway, um, yeah, great, um, great performance by Volkanovski and your new featherweight champion super happy about that i love the guy i'm going to be riding his train uh you know pretty much in every matchup depending on what kind of odds that we get moving forward if he fights max holloway again i will bet him again just being honest i don't think it's a good idea for max holloway to take an immediate rematch here he should probably get his feet wet you know feel victory once more and then get back into this fight with alexander volkanovsky but 
UFC going to do what the UFC going to do? And then lastly, I have my Hail Mary parlay, what was, which was busted by one bet uh, or one leg, which was Ian Heinish. I had 0.25 units at plus 1099. What a cash. Really nice had Heinish got the victory there, but I'm not going to complain too much about it. It's a fucking Hail Mary. So at the end of it all, plus 5.04 units for the event, 78% ROI. It's a start to get my fucking shit back together. I'm happy to see the graph, you know, trending upwards once again. Uh, so we'll see uh, how we end up UFC boost on, which I already have a bet for. So if you guys have been following me on Twitter, you guys already know what that is, but I'm going to be covering uh, covering it in this episode since uh, since it's on the main card. Uh, and then I'll be giving you guys some insight in terms of what my lock of the night play is going to be as well, uh, which I'm still kind of waiting on some line movement uh, to see if it's going to get to a range where I really want. I, I'd still bet it at where it's at. But again, I'll get to that once I get to the um, to that fight on the card. All right, so quick thoughts on the card. Decent card overall. It's a, it's more of a nerds card. Uh, you know, when you have fights like Alexandre Pantoja and Matt Schnell or versus Matt Schnell, as well as Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Hani Barcelos on the main card, or, or sorry, on the prelims, they're fucking buried down there. It's a good card. You know, I, I can't wait to watch the 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 prelims it's gonna be 2 a.m eastern standard time i'll probably stay up at worst case scenario i'll wake up at 4 a.m and just catch up and hopefully be caught up to the live stream before the main event kicks off um but yeah great fight at least interesting fight card all around uh highly alatang i'm not too uh, i'm not too mad at that the guy's 13 7 and 1 uh, I, I like him. He was entertaining. His fight against uh, Batgirl last time around was fun. Uh, so I think he presents a fun uh, challenge for Ryan Benoit, who's also been off for a while. Uh, the return of Kyung Ho Kang. I love that fucking guy. Um, Jun Young Park, even though he lost his last fight to Anthony Hernandez, I think it presents a lot of issues here for Mark andre Berriot. Uh Da Ng Young versus Mike Rodriguez. That should be a fun fight. Uh, huge, huge stakes uh, in the light heavyweight division when we have Volkan Ozdemir against Alexander Rakic here. Very, very much looking forward to that fight. If you guys checked out the Combat Stories episode, uh, I kind of threw it out there to Tony that this is probably a number one contender fight for the light heavyweight division, and then I completely forgot about Corey Anderson against Jan Blahovich, what I th- which I think is actually the number one contender. Maybe the winner of this fight should fight Anthony Smith, and I know that Volkan Uzmi already fought Anthony Smith, but I'm sure he'd like to get that one back, and rankings-wise, it kind of makes some sense. Uh, and then obviously at the top of the card, we got Korean Zombie against Frankie Edgar. Fun, fun fight there. Um hilarious that before when they were supposed to fight Frankie Edgar was close to a minus 300 favorite and a year later now that they're rebooked and a couple of fights have passed uh Chancellor Young is actually the favorite at minus 170-ish right now so crazy how like a year can make such a big difference um but I'm yeah I'll get into my thoughts for that uh so yeah like I have been doing I'll be doing quick picks for the prelims with the exceptional one prelim fight which I'll go and in, go into uh so let's get into that real quick I'm going to take Hylia Letang over Ryan Benoit, uh, Miranda Granger over Amanda Lemos, um, Hauni Barcelos over Saeed Nurmagomedov. Um, taking the upset here with a match now over Alexandre Pantoja. I'll probably be doing an MMA Lawcast Plus episode on the Patreon, so make sure you guys check that out sp- specifically for that fight. I got Omar Morales over Dong Yon Ma. Uh, Sungwoo Choi versus, over Suman Mokhtarian. Uh, and then that brings us to our prelim fight uh, that I want to get into. It's actually the featured prelim of the night too, which is Cyril Gan versus Tanner Bozer. 
The funny thing is here, so Cyril Ghosn spent most of his regional career uh, fighting for TKO, which is an MMA organization based out of Montreal. And one of the fights that they always tried putting together was him against Tanner Bozer because Bozer has been doing his thing on the Canadian regional scene for a while now. You know, he had a couple of fights over at ACB, but he is one of those heavyweights that a lot of people were talking about in Canada. Um, him, Adam Diska, I think that's how you say his name, uh, and then Cyril Ghosn. Uh, so a fight that was initially probably supposed to take place in TKO is now going down in the UFC. And I think that a lot of recency bias is going on here in terms of um, uh, Cyril Ghosn being such a heavy favorite. Last time I checked, he was minus 800. It's going down a little bit now. He's minus 650. So it seems like people are getting a little bit more familiar with Tanner Bowser. So let's start off with Surigan. You know, you you can call him Francis Nganu Light because he still doesn't have as much experience as Nganu yet. Uh currently five and oh uh you know two and oh in the UFC with wins over Rafael Pessoa and Dante Mays, showing off a variety of skills as well. You know, he got submissions in those last two fights and I know a lot of people that lot of lost some money on Surigan by TKO. But this guy's showing a lot of different um a lot of different facets in his game, uh, you know, moves very well. His striking is next level in terms of just how fluid he is. His movement is amazing. Uh, his kicks are next level. Uh, those la- kicks that he's landing on Dante Mays, man, they made some fucking noise. I'm sure they are echoing around that arena in Singapore. Um, I-, I-, I like how he-, he moves. His cardio seems to be fine. Uh, you know, it's not the craziest, but you got to uh, wonder what it's going to look like when he's not really the aggressor. He's the one, you know, kind of being picked at. Most of these guys were just waiting for him to throw and and they're kind of already intimidated. And are, in my opinion, maybe already lost the fight going into the cage because uh, he is so physically imposing. Uh, but, you know, I think he he is still relatively green. Let's not forget that he's only he made his UFC or pro MMA debut in August of last year. This guy's still quite young in his career. In terms of his age, he is 29. He was supposed to be fighting in glory kickboxing as well before the UFC snatched him up. I, I think the, the 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 sky is the, the the limit for this guy. He he has a lot of a lot of potential, but he's going in against a very very tough guy in Tanner Bozer, who's been around the block pretty much. This guy's fought all over the world. 17 five and one record coming into this fight. He's not. It, it's weird. He's one of the. He's one of the quintessential heavyweights when it comes to going to decision. You know, most of his fights have gone to a decision, and his cardio has held up pretty much all the way through. He went to a draw against Zaur. I'm not even going to try to say this guy's name, but M1 Challenge 101. He went to a draw in a fight that I thought he probably should have won. Um, he he's faced a lot of different type of competition. He has great leg kicks. He even finished a guy by leg kicks uh, in his second last fight. Um, I think that if he is able to get out of the first round and, and implement leg kicks right off the bat, he can make this fight a lot more interesting than it should be for somebody that's a plus 550. You know, I think there is a little bit of value there on Bozer. Um, and I think that if, you know, if you don't get Cyril gone more than minus 400 or, you know, it, if you if you can't get him better than minus 400, I should say, it's not worth parlaying him. Uh, you know, the value that he adds to a parlay worse than minus 400 is not worth the return or how much value he would actually add to the parlay in my opinion bozer you know he is he has potential to pull off the upset here and you don't want your fucking crazy four fight five fight parlay you know getting dusted because of a minus 500 shitting the bed against a guy that has tons of experience 
You know, let's not let's not get the the flashiness and let's not get too caught up in the flashiness. You know, Tanner Bozer is not the flashy fighter. He's not an, a super entertaining fighter, but he goes out there and he gets the job done. You know, he showed that in the Daniel Spitz fight. You know, being at a size disadvantage is not the biggest uh, the the biggest detriment. Obviously, Daniel Spitz and Sarah Gunn are completely different fighters. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, th- this guy has fought so many different types of opponents that I'm sure he's come across a guy like Sarah Gunn uh, and probably has come across guys like Sarah Gunn who have way more experience. So I'm not completely running off Gunn here, uh, but I would not put this in a parlay. You know, uh, at those current odds, not worth it. If you can get it better than minus 400, all praise to you. Go for it. But I'm not going to. I'm going to pick Gunn to win. Don't get me wrong. I'm picking Gunn to win. However... Not putting him in a parlay, not putting him in my Hail Mary parlay, nothing. If you can't get him better than minus 400, stay away from this fucking fight. Or bet a little bit on Tanner Bozer. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to take Surogan by... I'll take him by second round KO. Yeah, it's tough, you know. If it does get past the first round, Tanner Bowser could actually make it very interesting. But I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with gone by second round uh, finish. All right, that moves us to our first fight on the main card. If I'm not mistaken, order of this might be completely wrong. Not 100 percent sure, but either way, it's Kyung Ho Kong against uh, Ping Yuan Liu, uh, and this is actually going to be my lock of the night play. And I am more than happy to pay the juice on a guy like. Kyung Ho Kong. The guy has come through for me on numerous occasions. I paid minus 280 on him when he fought Guido Canetti. Um, you know, obviously bet him against Teruto Ishihara, bet him against Brandon Davis. It's a no-brainer for me. With Kong, I, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting a guy who's long, knows how to use his uh, striking in a long fashion from distance, uh, great takedowns, great jujitsu. You know, his wrestling is underrated, but uh, just his... Uh, his scramble ability, his, um, you know, ability to try to stay ahead of his opponent, uh, at least for a couple steps ahead of his opponent when it comes to the ground game. You know, watch this fight against Michinori Tanaka. That was several years ago. I know it's been over five years ago, but that's one of the funnest fights that you'll ever see when it comes to grappling. If you guys have not seen that, I'd highly suggest it. It was a very, very uh, competitive fight in terms of, you know, both guys were getting reversals, but I'm not expecting a guy like Ping Yuan Liu to be able to reverse uh, Kyung Ho Kang on such a, um, as often as Tanaka was able to. Uh, and then even when Tanaka was able to, Kong was able to get it right back. Uh, but, you know, from what we've seen from Ping Yuan Liu, uh, he pretty much grappled fuck his, grapple fucked his first two opponents in... Uh, Damien Stasiak and Martin Day and both of those fights you know you can make a case that uh, Leo actually lost you know Damien Stasiak got him down in those first two rounds and did you know decent damage and and held him down uh, and then Leo was able to get back up uh, and then Martin Day as well you know he did a lot of damage on the feet um, you know he was able to keep the fight on the feet for a good chunk of time uh, and then in the Jonathan Martinez fight Leo just wanted to keep this fight on the feet he landed pretty decently on Jonathan Martinez and then Martinez was able to land that beautiful knee in the third round um i expect kong to outgrapple Liu here i don't expect him to get hit too cleanly to the point that it's going to be uh you know nights out or lights out uh it, 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 
it's hard for me to explain how easy I believe this fight's going to be for Kong. And I'm kind of happy that I'm going to be at, you know, I'd bet him all the way up to minus 280 in my opinion. That That's just me. I, I don't know if it's a bias that I have towards Kong, but I trust this guy with my money. Uh, the only fight that I did not bet him in was the Ricardo Ramos fight. And that was strictly because of the fact that I, you know, I'm very high on Hamosh as well. And I knew that stylistically those two guys were, it was going to be a very tough fight to call. So I just stayed away from it in general. But uh, here, I think Kong has a massive advantage when it gets to the ground. I think he could find a choke. I think he could, you know, get the victory quite easily here. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a sweat. You know, I, I hope I'm not wrong because I'm going to look like a complete fucking idiot if Kong goes out there and lays an egg and, you know, it would be much worse if Ping Yuan went out there and grapple fucked Kong, because then I would look a, look like a complete idiot. But if like Liu went out there and landed a bomb on Kong and put him out, I wouldn't be as mad because that shit that's MMA. It's gonna fucking happen. Uh, but I don't see that. I think Kong is gonna hold the distance well, and then when he needs to close the distance to get the fight to the ground and and do his work from there, he's gonna be able to do that as well. I love Kong and it's unfortunate that he had to miss four years due to, you know, service and all the other shit that he had to go through. Uh, but I'm glad that he's back on a roll here, you know, strung together two victories. Uh, and now here he is uh, trying to end off 2019 with three straight victories and, you know, start to ascend to that, uh, you know, the the rank level of that uh, bantamweight division. He, he it's interesting with the guy with him because he's 5'9 with a 73 inch reach he's gonna have a decent uh size advantage here over Liu uh I just want to confirm the numbers 5'8 with 72 inch reach I think it's gonna be much more than that I know some of these stats are sometimes just a little bit skewed uh but I, I definitely think he's gonna be the bigger guy in there he's 32 so he's still in the prime of his uh, of his career I think he has a solid three or four years left in the game uh and I hope we see him in the top 10 ish uh you know come uh you know come in the uh, 2021 even um yeah i i think the guy's a problem he has a salty-ish record at 16 and 8 but he's really been able to put it together uh you know in the latter half of his career uh at a certain point he was six and five but ever since then he's kind of just strung it together where he's been able to get to what 10 and 3 in his last 13 fights very impressive and his only the the Chico Camus fight was a weird one. Uh, the Alex Caceres fight, I believe, was changed to a no contest due to Caceres testing positive from uh, marijuana. I think it was. Uh, but either way, he started off his UFC career 0-2 and, and then strung together three wins, ran into Ricardo Hamosh, and now I think he's going to go on another three-fight winning streak by putting away Ping Yuan Liu. So I'm going to take Liu by... Uh, sorry, I'm going to take Kang by... Let's say second-round submission. Uh... But I think this one's in the bag. This is going to be my lock, and then I play. I, I, you know, I've saw, I've seen it get down to roughly around minus two thirty-five ish. I'm going to still wait it out and see if I can get that minus two thirty. Um, you know, my main sites pinnacle. It's currently minus two fifty-three. Sportbet minus two forty-nine. Uh, bookmaker minus two sixty. I'm going to wait a little bit. You know, I, I think people might try to see a little bit of a value in Ping Yuan. I don't see it <laughs> personally, but I think people are going to try to find a reason to bet uh, Ping Yuan here. Uh, so I'll wait it out. I'll see where Kang gets. And again, I'll, I'll bet him all the way up to minus 280 if I have to, uh, but I'm going to wait it out and see if I can get slightly better odds. Uh, yeah, so Kang, second round submission. Let's move on to the next fight. We got Jun Young Park against Mark Andre Berriud. I don't want to get too far into this fight. 
Uh, I am a fan of Park. I think he fights with a lot of uh, charisma. He's very, um, you know, he's a very forward-moving fighter. Uh, not the greatest takedown defense, uh, so that could be an issue for him here. Uh, but he, he's tough as nails, you know, tough to finish. He did get finished by Anthony Hernandez last time around, but the guy is a bull. Uh, his nickname is actually the Iron Turtle. But, um, you know, Anaconda choked by Anthony Hernandez last time around. But before that, he went on a crazy win streak. I think it was seven straight victories. Um, very, very fun fight. The Glenn Sparv fight in particular was a, an insane fight. He hit Sparv with everything, but Sparv would just not go out. Um, I remember one of the commentators was saying right off the bat that they didn't think this fight was going to go to a decision. And lo and behold, it went to a decision, but Sparv took some ridiculous shots. Uh, Park, very fun. Again, forward-moving fighter. I think he has the opportunity to break Marc-Andre Berriot here, uh, who I think is... You know, I I love the guy and he holds a victory over one of my friends because uh, he's a Canadian guy. Uh, but I, I'm not completely sold on him. You know, I I think that Park has the ability to break him. Um, I think uh, Mark Andre is going to have to resort to grappling here. Maybe try to take him down and and try to wear him out that way. But I don't know if he's going to be successful in that either. I think Park's going to be able to break his will. Um, you know, it's kind of a hometown fight for him here. So I think he might be a little bit more propelled by that as well. <sighs> Can't believe I'm going to do it, but I'm actually going to go a park here. Um, I don't see much value in Marc-Andre Berriot. I think you want to go with the plus plus money here if you're going to bet this fight at all. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. Park is going to come forward, try to break Marc-Andre Berriot with punches. You know, he might have to eat a couple, but his chin is very good. So I don't think he'll have trouble with that. Marc-Andre Berriot, not the biggest one-punch knockout kind of guy. Um, and I think that Park can definitely give him uh, some fits, especially if he, you know, if he brings that relentless forward-moving style. So I'm going to go with Park here. Um, probably won't bet it. May put it in my Hail Mary, probably not 100% sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Park here, so I'm going to take him by, uh, I'll take him by decision. All right, next up, we got Da Un Young versus Mike Rodriguez. I did cash on Da Un Young last time around when he fought Cadiz Ibrahimov. He was a plus 215 dog. I think I got him at like plus 240, plus 250, because I just thought those odds were ridiculous. And they paid off. You know, Hadith came in there trying to take off uh, Jung's head right off the bat, you know, through like a crazy 20 punch combination, you know, within the first minute. Thought he had Jung on the K or against the fence and, and could finish him. Didn't come to fruition. Jung stayed composed. It was crazy to see. Stayed composed, stayed behind the jab, you know, was able to split uh, Ibrahimov's guard uh, on numerous occasions. Uh, and then we find him get the easy standing guillotine choke in round three. Uh, Cadiz pretty much just gave up at that point. He had blown his wad. He thought he was going to pay to put, be able to put out Jung. Was not successful in that at all. Um, and he paid for it. And we even seen it in his fight against uh, Ed Herman. He's a, he's a one-trick pony. He's going to be able to beat guys on the regional scene. You know, it's going to be tough for him. If he, if he can't get past Ed fucking Herman, it's time to, to go back to the lower levels and try to hone your skills and maybe come back with something stronger. Da Un Jung... I think he presents a lot of problems here for Mike Rodriguez. You know, he shows good discipline with staying behind jabs. And and it's crazy not a lot of fighters do that. But it's something so simple that allows you to open up the rest of your striking game. And it's crazy that a guy like this is able to use that to his advantage and really, uh, you know, implement his own type of game plan. Mike Rodriguez is an interesting guy, though. Very long. They call him Big Slow, which is weird. Or sorry, Slow. 
Mike Rodriguez, uh, fights out of Massachusetts. Um, I believe he, yeah, he's a part of Lozon Mixed Martial Arts. Very tough loss for him last time get around against John Allen. You know, John Allen was able to kind of have his way and get him down when he wants to control the top position. You know, didn't make it too too difficult to fight it for himself. Uh, you know, I, I think Rodriguez has potential. Uh, you know, just with his size and his frame alone, uh, if he's able to really start to gauge distance properly and really, uh, you know, uh, get get the distance striking under under his hands and and really uh, find his, his uh, find his place with that type of striking, I think it could be a problem. I don't know if he's going to have that type of uh, success here against Aun Young. It's too close of a fight for me to personally call. Um, I think that Rodriguez has the more power. Um, I think he could finish Young, uh, but he's going to have to be methodical about it. He can't just go Ibrahimov on this shit and try to throw all these punches and expect one of them to land cleanly enough to put Young out. Um, I think he has a discipline and coaching to pull off a methodical victory here. It's just too hard for me to call. You know, there's a reason the, line, the, the fight is lined as closely as it is. Uh, yeah, minus 120. So Rodriguez is a slight favorite now. Plus 100 for Young. I, I'm I'm ugh. I know you guys are forcing me to make a pick out here, so I'll, I'll go with Rodriguez. Um, you know, I know this is a home field advantage for uh, Da, da Union, uh, but I think that Rodriguez could bring more to the table here. I think if he does go for takedowns and tries to to beat Jung from on top, it might be easier. But he's going to have to put his hands together first before he's able to get this fight to the ground. Uh, so I'm going to take Rodriguez. Uh, I'll take him by a second round TKO, uh, but he's going to have to be careful to not blow his wild because Jung has shown before that he's very resilient, he's very tough, he's very durable, uh, and he is capable of a third round finish. I doubt we see Rodriguez get as gassed and you know as crazily uh, tired as a uh, as a Hadis Ibrahimov. Uh, so he's just going to have to be careful about that, but I still think that Rodriguez pulls it up, pulls this off. He could be a nightmare once he gets on top, uh, and I think he will find that top position uh, and put an end to Da Un Young. So I'm going to take Rodriguez by, th- I'm going to say, first-round TKO. Um, I hate picking rounds, but I know you guys enjoy that, so uh, I'm going to take first-round TKO for Mike Rodriguez via G and P. All right, this brings us to our co-main event of the, or not the co-main event, sorry, my dog of the night play. And this one kind of pains me to do because uh, I'm a big Korean Superboy fan. You know, we got Duho Choi against Charles Jordan. Uh, we'll start off with Duho Choi, who's been off for a little bit. Uh, he had to go do some military service uh, and it's been close to two years since he last fought. Uh, last time we did see him was against Jeremy Stevens, uh, where Stevens was able to put him out in the second round. Vicious, vicious knockout. Not a good look for uh, Duho Choi especially after he had that unfortunate uh, loss to Cub Swanson in a probably fight of the year. I think that was uh, 2016's fight of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Ridiculous fight. Um, You know, it's not a secret in terms of what Choi's tools are here. He wants to go in there. He wants to put on a striking clinic, outstrike you. Uh, Sometimes he gets dragged into those uh, crazy wars where he's going to want to strike with you and, and try to uh, you know, catch you and put you out. And yeah, I worked against guys like Juan Manuel Puig and Sam Cecilia and Tiago Tavares. But when it comes to guys like, you know, Cub Swanson, Jeremy Stevens, he's going to have trouble. He's going up against a guy in Charles Jordan who's, you know, on the brink of breaking out and becoming uh, a, a household name, in my opinion. 
he has a lot of fucking talent. Um, you know, he has that one loss in TKO against another guy in TJ Laramie, or sorry, he has two losses. I'm mistaken. Obviously, his UFC debut to Des Green. But even before that in TKO, he lost to uh, TJ Laramie. This was a fight that was, for years, been dreamt of from people that knew about both of these guys on the amateur scene. You know, they were kind of in their same weight class. One was fighting in Montreal. One was fighting in Ontario. Um, and, you know, they continuously made a name for themselves. And then finally, you know, five fights into four fights into Charles Jordan's career, he goes up against TJ Laramie, who had a slightly more experience, uh, you know, than him at that time. They go a full five rounds, uh, and Laramie comes out with a decision. But since then, you know, he put together four straight wins, uh, and that included winning the title off of Alex Morgan, who had beaten TJ Laramie in the past. Uh, and then he comes into the UFC flashy striker there's a reason they call him air jordan the guy loves to throw flashy spinning shit uh but he throws it with a lot of conviction he throws it with a lot of heat uh and i think that's where it's where it's going to be interesting for troy you know troy wants to be as disciplined as possible and try to keep his his punches as straight and 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 down the middle as possible and i think that he could have some success against jordan here but i think that the unorthodox nature of nature of jordan the power that he brings the the shape that he's in just fucking look at his instagram the guy looks in um, incredible shape uh it looks like he's taking this fight you know with the the most uh confidence uh it, it's crazy that he even took this fight especially at being in in, in korea you know, he he stepped in against Des Green on relatively short notice, uh, so Des Green was able to have a fight in his hometown of uh, Rochester, and now he comes in and fights Duhu Choi, uh, you know, who is coming off a lengthy layoff, uh, but, you know, the cards are stacked against him here. Uh, he's brought in here to make Choi look good in front of his home crowd, and he doesn't give a shit. You know, he's going to come out there, he's going to fight hard, uh, he's going to make it difficult for Choi to actually get this victory. Um, and that's why I like the value on, on Jordan here. I think at plus 252 is which I got him at, which is what I got him at. And now he's even getting to the minus, or sorry, plus 260 range. Um, I didn't think we'd see that. I thought we, you know, it would start to go back down once people start to familiarize themselves with Charles Jordan. Uh, it is what it is. You know, I think there's a ton of value there. You only got, I only personally put 0.75 units on it. It would, you know, return close to just under two units. And that's all the risk I need to on, to take on this fight. You know, I'm not trying to take anything from Troy. I'm not trying to downplay the skills of Troy. I think Troy is great. Uh, I, I've been high on him ever since he came into the UFC. And I think he has the best, you know, some of the best striking in that uh, featherweight division. But I think that Jordan just presents these, these, these unorthodox issues, these, um, you know the, the flashy striking. His jujitsu is not the great, uh, the worst either. He's clearly working on his uh, takedown defense, which probably won't be too much of a concern here. But that has been his Achilles heel in the past against TJ Laramie, against Des Green. But he made that Des Green fight a lot closer than it needed to be. Let's not forget that Des Green was a close to a minus four hundred. Yeah, he was like a minus four hundred, minus five hundred, minus six hundred even underdog going into our favorite going into that fight. So. You know, when you get that type of a performance out of a plus 500 dog, you got to expect that the kid's getting better and better. And I expect him to be just as good here against Duho Choi. So I think that, you know, I'm not trying to fade Choi because he's coming off a layoff, but that is a little bit of a, a factor here. Um, how healed up is his chin? You know, he took off two years. That's good. It's it's good when you take off that much amount of time. And obviously is due to other circumstances and not just trying to heal up his chin. Uh, but at a certain point, there's a breaking point where 
your chin is just not going to be the same. And Choi left a lot of himself in the cage in that Cub Swanson fight, in the Jeremy Stevens fight. And a young up and comer in Charles Jordan here is just looking to snatch that ASAP. He wants that stardom. He wants that shine. And he knows this is his opportunity to make a splash in the UFC, get a full training camp in, uh, fight a guy with the name as like Duho Choi, put on a statement, try to go out there and get a flashy knockout. You know, make it difficult for Troy to go out there and get a victory. And 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 I love Charles in the spot. Last thing about Charles, man, I'm going to stop sucking this guy off. But I, I've been literally following this kid from the amateur scene. I used to go out uh, when I was working at an MMA gym and we would go to this um, Montreal uh, native reserve, which is where they would have their amateur MMA fights. And him and his brother, Louis, would always be on the cards that I would be going to corner some guys and... Man, he would put a beating on his opponents. Uh, his brother has, has a lot of talent too. He's just not progressing as much as Charles. Uh, but Charles is clearly, you know, on another level at this point. And I think this is the the event that really makes his his name known. So I'm going with Charles here. Um, you don't have to risk too much. That's that's the beauty in betting a, a favorite as big as Charles Jordan. You know, let's lock up that profit by betting fucking... Um, uh, Kyung Ho Kong, and then let's try to make a little bit of extra cheddar when it comes to Charles Jordan, but not even by putting down that much. Um, so yeah, I, I like Jordan here. Uh, I think he has a lot of uh, opportunities to win this fight. His striking, obviously, being numero uno along with his power. Uh, so I, I expect him to to put up a really tough fight as a plus two fifty dog here, and I'm going to take him to win. Uh, so I'm going to take Jordan by second round KO. Um, about to shock the world, baby. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for the hate in the comments section. I know a lot of people are going to throw shade at me. Don't give a fuck. A lot of people threw shade at me for betting Alexander Volkanovsky. A lot of people threw shade at me for betting fucking Mauricio Shogun Hua against uh, Tyson Pedro. This is why I'm here. I'm trying to find these edges. Uh, and I think this is a, a huge edge here. So I like Charles Jordan. And let's get this fucking money. Second round TKO. All right. Co-main event. Volkan Uzdemir versus Alexander Rakic. Tough fight, man. Very, very tough fight. I'll start off with Rackage because I'm high on this guy. 12-1, and one, riding a crazy win streak right now. I think his, yeah, his only loss was his first professional fight. So he's on a 12-fight unbeaten streak. His last three fights, a decision victory over Justin Ledette, which he, I believe uh, was scored 30-24 all around because he just took down Ledette and just pretty much Cain velasquez him. It's been a long time since we've seen anybody been able to Cain Velasquez anybody. Devin Clark, you know, he he faced a little bit of adversity in that first round, but was able to come back and get the finish over Clark. Uh, and then with Jimmy Manua, the kick hurt around the world. He was able to put him out uh, with the beautiful head kick. That I still can't get the sound of that head kick out of my head. Uh, pretty pretty nuts. Um, and here he is finally taking a really good fight against Volkan Uzdemir, uh, which should propel him into the top five and propel him into a number one contender fight. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, I think if anybody wins this fight, they should probably fight Anthony Smith or Tiago Santos, depending on whenever Tiago Santos is back. Uh, but that should set up the number one contender after Dominic Reyes. Um, but yeah, with Rakic, I love the style of his, uh, you know, Cain Velasquez, multiple takedowns, uh, try to wear you out, uh, endless cardio, uh, I, I love what he brings to the table. My only concern is we know Volkan Uzdemir has that crazy knockout power. And the fact that Devin Clark was able to land on Rakic and, and kind of put him on Queer Street, um, it's a little concerning. Uh, and, you know, we know with Volkan, all it takes at one point is is just a shot, just one punch. If it lands, it could, you know, turn somebody's world upside down. 
that's what's kind of backing me off this a little bit. When this fight was initially announced, I was kind of thinking, okay, I'm going to be all over Rakic. But once I started to get into it, you know, Volkan hasn't looked that bad. Um, the odds are getting uh, more skewed towards Alexander Rakic now that I'm looking at it too. Minus 145. You know, if Volkan Uzdemir hits that plus 150, plus 160 range, I wouldn't mind making a little bit of a stab on him there. Uh, but for the division's sake, and even for my personal bias, I hope Rakic pulls the victory out here. Um, you know, you can make a huge uh, argument that Volkan Uzmir should have deserved that Dominic Reyes fight. So he could be coming 2-0 into this fight. Even the Anthony Smith fight, he's doing very well in those first two rounds. And then Anthony Smith kind of just takes over. You know, I think there's a little bit of uh, cardio issues on Uzdemir's side there too. Uh, and if you have any issues with cardio, you're going to have a long night against Alexander Rakic because he's able to push a ridiculous pace. So. One thing that my man Z, Rockstar Z, told me in the past, you can't always bank on a guy having a an iffy chin. And that's, you know, I, I'm still taking that into consideration with the Choi and Jordan fight. I'm not saying that Choi is super chinny and that, yeah, as soon as Jordan lands on him, he's going to put him out. I, I think it is a little bit of a factor. Uh, but you can't kind of bank on that as the ultimate reason as to why a guy should win the fight. You got to think of the, the the full MMA game. And when you take the full MMA game into consideration, I think Rakic has all the tools to put out Volkan Uzdemir. Not put out, but but beat Volkan Uzdemir. I, I like Rakic in this spot in terms of skill for skill. Um, if your only concern is the chin issues, don't bet as much on Alexander Rakic. You know, minus 145 is still not the worst. Uh, I would personally wait until like maybe minus 130, minus 135-ish. I think there will be money that comes in on Volkan Uzdemir closer to the fight just due to the name-ish value that he has compared to Rakic. Uh, you know, he has fought for the title before. Uh, he's had, a, had other big fights in the past. He's been in the main event a couple times. Uh, so I think that there will be some public love coming in on Uzdemir here, especially if they see him at underdog odds. Um, but overall package... Alexander Rakic blows him out of the water, in my opinion. I think once he gets this fight to the ground, it's going to be a little bit easier for him to to, to bully this to bully this victory. I could see Rakic getting like a third round TKO on the ground. Um, I wouldn't even mind a little shot at that prop just as like a personal play. Let's see what that currently sits at. Most of the odds just dropped right now. Rakic in third round is plus 1,100. I would entertain that if you like to take little punts like that. So uh, I, I like Rakic here. I like him to, to you know, wear on Volkan Uzdemir, uh, you know, either stay all the way out, land your kicks, or get all the way in. So Volkan Uzdemir is not able to land ridiculous shots. And obviously we've seen in the past where he's been able to land ridiculous shots against guys like Misha Serkinov, where they are super close and they he, they still get put out. But I'd like Rakic's chances if he, you know, if he gets into the clinch position, get the out, double underhooks, look for trips, look for takedowns, but get Vulcan down to the ground ASAP to neutralize his biggest threat, threat which is his power, uh, and then just work from there. Work to to tire out Vulcan Uzmir. Work to you know work your elbows in there. Get the mount. Do do what you got to do. I think uh, Rakic is going to have so much success once this fight hits the ground, uh, and I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. So I like Alexander Rakic here to win. I'm going to take him by third round TKO, um, but I wouldn't go the hardest on betting Rakic. Um, and I would also wait for a slightly better line. Yeah, Pinnacle has him at minus 136, which isn't the worst either. So uh, I like Rakic here. Um, I like him closer to minus 130. If you guys can eventually get that line, I would hop all over that. So Rakic, third round, TKO. All right, main event time. This one's one that I've been a little bit split on. 
Uh, and this is another one where the whole cardio thing comes into issue. Uh, not cardio, sorry, chin thing comes into issue. So Frankie Edgar has really only been knocked out by Brian Ortega. And a lot of people are saying, if you've been knocked out by Brian Ortega, you're probably the most chinniest person out there. He managed to get through the whole three rounds of Cub Swanson with not getting knocked out. He managed to get a whole five rounds with Max Holloway and not get knocked out. It's been two fights after the Ortega fight, small sample size, uh, and I think that Chan Sung Yung is probably the hard, probably the hardest hitter out of uh, Max Holloway, Cub Swanson, and himself. And something that I said right off the top of the show, you know, a year ago, Frankie Edgar was a sizable favorite going into this fight, and. You know, Frankie Edgar has only had one fight, which was the Max Holloway fight. And then Chan Sung Yung, I believe he strung together a couple of victories. Uh, well, he had the the Yair Rodriguez fight, which didn't go his way, even though I thought he probably would have won the decision had that gone to a decision. And then he goes out there and uh, overhand right to ground and pounds Hanata Moikano to get the victory within one minute. So I'm not sure exactly what happened in between that time where a lot of people were going to be like, okay, Chan Sung Yung, massive favorite now. Or not massive, but... Solid favorite now, minus 175. Well, what's what's the line at? Minus 170. I know Frankie Edgar's takedowns haven't been the greatest. His wrestling hasn't been the greatest as of late, and that's kind of what he's leaned on in the past to get victories. But I think him having the, the threat of the takedown there, even if it's fainting it, even if it's going for it and not getting it, I think that plays into his favor because he's a guy that's and uh, the energizer, ugh, the energizer bunny when he gets to 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 the fight. He he likes to bounce around a lot. He uses his footwork a lot. The in and out movement, um, you know, in terms of size, how much size is he giving up here? Five seven seventy two inch reach for Chan Sung Young. Five six seventy two inch reach for Frank Yeager. And again, some of these stats are slightly off and skewed sometimes. Man. I, Initially, I was looking to bet Frankie Edgar as a dog. I still have a little bit of a desire to do that. Uh, I, I don't know where this narrative is coming from that people are all, all, all over Korean zombies, you know, since the, the Moicano fight. And again, obviously, he looked good in the Yair Rodriguez fight too, but this is fucking Frankie Edgar still. And yeah, he's getting up there in age. He's 38 now, um, but he still has that. The, he has the cardio. He has the footwork. Um, you know, obviously, you're going to get outstruck by Max Holloway. No big deal there. Um, but yeah, Chan Sung Yung, if he's not able to land that knockout shot, if he's not able to get that finish, I like Frankie Edgar by decision. Um, what's Frankie Edgar by decision? Uh, Edgar wins by decision is plus 275. So I wouldn't mind taking a small poke at Frankie Edgar to win by decision. I think those odds are definitely worth it. Even if you want to take him uh, you know, straight plus 150, I think there's a lot of value there too. I, I'm again. I'm kind of mystified by the Korean zombie love here. I'm I'm not completely getting it. Um, I, I think ultimately I'll stay away from this fight officially. Uh, might sprinkle a little bit on Frankie Edgar by decision, but uh, you know, Chan Sung Young striking has looked good. I'll give him that. It's looked decent. There's a reason he was able to put a Hanato Moicano. Um, but even that fight, he was going into that fight as a dog. You know, a lot of people are high on Moicano even after coming off that Jose Aldo loss. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I love I love uh, Frankie Edgar in this spot. And say what you want about him getting older. Say what you want about him getting knocked out by Brian Ortega. I still think that Chan Sung Young is is going to, you know... Uh, another thing about the Ortega fight. You're going into that fight thinking that you're fighting a purely jiu-jitsu guy. You know what I mean? You're not thinking that this guy's going to pull out a fucking uppercut from the heavens and send you skyrocketing to the moon. 
it happens. I, mean, I highly doubt Frank Edgar was expecting that type of uh, that type of uh, outcome in that fight, and not a lot of people were either. Frank Edgar was my fucking lock of the night that night. Um, with Chan Sung Young, I think he's going to be a little bit more prepared for somebody who's going to be throwing heat. Uh, and I think that Mark Henry is a smart enough coach to take that into consideration and to take that and and mold a game plan around that to allow Frank Edgar to hit and get out before getting hit. And obviously he's going to have to take some shots here, but I'm going to I'm going to bank on Frank Edgar's chin a little bit longer here. Um, you know, like the Rackage fight as an overall package, um, skill for skill, I'm leaning Frank Edgar. Probably get some hate for that too, but I'm going to go with Edgar here. I'm going to say he takes the decision, uh, outstrikes uh, Chan Sung Yun, gets in and out, hit and doesn't get hit, or hit and doesn't get hit as often, um, and, and pulls off the victory. So I like Frankie Edgar to win by decision. Uh, not sure if I'll play that uh, the, the plus one fifty. Uh, we'll see where that line goes closer to the event. And obviously, I put out my you know uh final thoughts on friday so make sure you guys check that out on the patreon page if you guys haven't already checked it out patreon only five dollars a month now you know i initially had it at uh twelve dollars a month i've dropped it down uh you know less content than i was initially uh promising so and so i dropped the the, the limit there but i'm still putting out the lockcast plus episodes and the final thoughts episodes uh to give you guys a little bit better insight in terms of how the lines have moved throughout the week uh but yeah getting back to this fight Frank Edgar, by decision, think there's a ton of value um, at him above plus 170-ish. Uh, wouldn't want to bet Korean Zombie unless he's like minus 140 or something, minus 130. But even then, I still like Frank Edgar, uh, skill for skill. Simple as that. So I can't wait for the comments on this one because I picked a couple of dogs here that a lot of people are going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? The fuck are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. I, I, I'm seeing these edges, and I think that uh, they're, they're things that people can take advantage of. So that's pretty much it. Um, this is the last Lockcast episode for the year, which is crazy. Um, I believe I'm going to be doing something with my man, Newsome to wrap up our year. Uh, I finally get to exercise my demons in terms of talking out the the shittiness of the year, uh, the second half of this year that I had. Hopefully I can go into this interview with, uh, you know, of W with the UFC boost on. So things are kind of on the upswing a little bit more build off the momentum of UFC 245, which I had. Um, yeah. Um, that's pretty much about it. I don't know why the fuck I'm searching to, 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 to tell you guys some more shit. Uh, hit me up. If you guys want to join the lock of the night challenge, uh, $25 game and hundred dollar game, you can enter both or just one of them. If you like, DM me at MMALOTN on Twitter. Hit me up in the comments below. Uh, make sure you guys hit the subscribe. Your boy's uh, subscriber count is slowly slowly rising. I'm still trying to get to 1,000. I don't know what I'm going to set the goal for, but uh, I want to get to 1,000. I'm at 710 or something right now. So make sure you guys help your boy out there. And uh, yeah, hit the like. Throw me some shade in the comments if you guys want. Everybody that was shitting on me for picking, picking Alexander Volkanovsky, show yourselves. That'll be great. <laughs> It's funny how nobody ever shows themselves after I've pro proven them wrong. That's always the best part of these podcasts. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's about it. Let's fucking end it. Appreciate you guys watching. Uh, and I will see you guys probably this weekend for the Combatasaurs, uh, and also deciding splits. All right. Take care. Peace. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever the fuck you guys celebrate. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, and I'll see you guys in the New Year for the MMA Longcast episode.